This summer, your local movie theater transforms into a tent revival for sharing Jesus. Join believers nationwide for the Million Souls campaign, inviting unsaved loved ones to experience The Firing Squad, a new evangelistic movie starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. Witness the true story that made worldwide headlines. American prisoners discovering faith in Christ while awaiting execution for their crimes in a third world country, transforming their lives and the entire prison in the process. After the movie and before the credits roll, Kevin Sorbo will come on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ. Visit FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how to get free tickets and more for your unsaved loved ones and become part of this unique event. Bring friends, family, and your faith. Learn more at FiringSquadFilm.com. That's FiringSquadFilm.com. Holy cow, what a great program for you today. We have Larry Elder. Uh, We talked to him for about an hour today. Could he be the next governor of California? It looks like there's a good chance. That's an amazing development for California. Uh, They might go into shock. Uh, But we we talked to Larry Elder. Also, we uh, Chip Roy. uh, What an unbelievable rant in the House yesterday. We cover that and all the things that are going on with COVID. Also, a look at what I talked about on last night's television program as well that is so important. This is the most critical information you could know. Um, What the Biden administration is doing that puts everyone that disagrees with them in a box. All on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. The host of the Larry Elder Show. And now a California gubernatorial candidate, Larry Elder. Welcome to the program. Glenn, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Larry, I have to tell you, when I first saw, I just said this to Stu on, on air about 10 minutes ago. When I first saw that you were running, I was like, that's not going to work out well. Uh, because, I mean, you, you could be Ronald Reagan, but you're in California. And then I start to see the poll numbers and you're ahead, almost double ahead of anybody else. Uh, you're out. You're out uh, raising funds uh, for anybody else who is in the race, and uh, you have a legitimate shot here. And that would be game changing for not only California but for all of America. You know, Glenn, I, I think it will be game changing for uh, all of America for a number of reasons. You know, this critical race theory, this uh, reparation stuff, this stuff you were just now talking about, training uh, white, white kids to believe they're oppressors, training black kids to believe that they're victims. People in the center are sick of this. People in the center are sick of people like this guy, Ibrahim, Ibram Kendi, running around saying, just being a good person, just being a not racist is not good enough. You have to make sure that other people are not racist. This is the kind of stuff that's sickening people in the center. And so even people who are not Republicans are going to be, I think, buoyed by this candidacy. And about Ronald Reagan, a number of people, Glenn, have said, well, Elder, what is your experience? I said, what is the experience of the guy I'm running against? Gavin Newsom. This guy was governor of, uh, mayor of San Francisco. He was lieutenant governor for eight years. Had all, eight years to think about what he would do if and when he became uh, governor. And for two years, we've seen a rise in crime, rising homelessness, declining quality of public schools. And the draconian way this man shut down the state 
while violating the mandates with the very same professionals who drafted the mandates when he was sitting at that famous French laundry restaurant, not engaging in social distancing, not wearing a mask. Ronald Reagan came out of Hollywood. He didn't spend 27 years, as I have, uh, up and down the state broadcasting. I'm on every major market in California from Sacramento down to San Diego. I've been writing a syndicated column since April of 1998. It's carried in the largest newspaper in the Valley here in L.A. It's carried in the largest newspaper in Orange County. I've been talking about issues like crime and homelessness and the outrageous cost of living for years. Ronald Reagan came out of Hollywood. Now, he, of course, was a student of William F. Buckley, began reading National Review, and at one time he was a left-wing guy. I was never a left-wing guy. So you could make the argument that I'm even more prepared to do this than (laughs) Ronald Reagan. Well, I will will tell you this, Larry, that uh, uh, Ronald Reagan... um, uh, started to write uh, radio um, minutes, if you will, right, uh, right. just like Paul Harvey. And and that was explaining his philosophies. Uh, and that I think that really helped sharpen him and also prepare the way. You've been doing it in a three-hour format every day. That's right. And I'm a native Californian. And, Glenn, my dad came here in 1945 right after the war. Uh, he worked two full-time jobs cleaning toilets. Believe it or not, was able to save his nickels and dimes enough to uh, have a stay-at-home mom, my uh, stay-at-home wife, my mother, uh, and she stayed at home until the youngest of us was in middle school. And he saved up enough money to move uptown to uh, South Central L.A. We were the second black family in the neighborhood. Now, the house is still in the family, Glenn. I just looked up on Zillow. It is now worth $600,000. No one with an eighth-grade dropout education could follow my father's path to the middle class here in California if he or she worked three jobs, let alone, let alone two. Uh, and that's because virtually every development project, every housing project in California is stopped by the environmentalists who claim it's going to have an adverse environmental impact. That's why there's a shortage of housing in California. That's why for the first time, in our nation's history, middle-class people, I'm talking about people making between 50 and 100K, are leaving California because they cannot get that first house. There's a magazine called CEO Magazine. It's been around for 17 years. And for 17 consecutive years, out of all the states, California has been determined to be the worst state in which to do business, based upon taxes, mm-hmm. based upon regulations, based upon the anti-business attitude that this uh, legislature and these environmentalists uh, have foisted on, down the throats of the American people. I have a regular guest on my program. His name is Leo Haney, and he's a brilliant economist with UCLA, writes a lot about real estate. He says because of the rules and regulations that we've had now for the past 30, 40 years, the average price of a home in California is literally 50% more than it otherwise would be. And that's why people are leaving for the very first time. And I think I can do something about that. So what is the biggest, what is the biggest problem that you see the first thing that you would have to tackle in California? I think the first thing I have to tackle is homelessness. Uh, you go under a freeway overpass in L.A. Uh, and a lot of other cities here in California, homeless people on either side. Now, uh, I don't blame all of this on Gavin Newsom because it preceded him, but he hasn't done anything about it other than to, quote, build more housing, meaning more government people building housing at a far higher cost than the private sector would do without doing anything about the underlying reason why people are on the streets in the first place. Uh, and uh, Why are they on the streets in the first place? Well, maybe 10% of them, Glenn, we don't really know the percentage, are truly schizophrenic, meaning a danger to themselves or to others. They literally need to be physically picked up from the streets, removed for their own safety and for the safety of the rest of the homeless population. Some percentage. And and put where? And put where? uh, Put in, in, in mental institutions so they can get treated. Uh, and um, the another percentage of them, I, I don't know how many, I think it's a relatively small, are people that just don't want to work. 
Uh, and if you just don't want to work, either you're going to go to jail as a vagrant or you're going to get a job. And the rest of them, probably the bulk of them, are people who have mental problems or who have drug problems. They, too, need to be treated. Now, what we've done in California... It's passed something called Proposition 47. I think the voters were duped into doing it. And the idea was that some people who are stealing are stealing in order to support their meth habit or their heroin habit. Mm-hmm. And so we passed a law that says if you steal under 950 bucks, you don't go to jail. You're not a felon. You've committed a misdemeanor. You get a ticket if you get caught. Well, what the... the, the uh, Sheriff of L.A. County tells me, his name is Alex Villanueva, one of the people that I interviewed before I got pulled off the radio because of my FCC requirement running for, running for office. He said, we, they've taken away our stick. You, you have somebody on the street who's stealing in order to support the, the, the meth habit, and we can't say either you dry out in jail or you dry out in rehab, one or the other, because we cannot tell them they're going to go to jail because they're not going to go to jail. And you've seen all these videos of people literally stealing in front of people, uh, in front of uh, walking, uh, security Walking, guards, walking out, not, not, not running, walking right. out. Now, as far as the mental illness part, churches need to be involved in that. Government can't solve this. We have missions in Orange County, for example, where they're getting people off the street, trying to give them some spiritual uh, instruction, uh, and that's what needs to happen. Now, I'm not at all saying that 100% of people on the on the streets can somehow become computer software programmers at Apple. I don't believe that whatsoever. But you cannot allow people to stay on the streets. It is a taking of public property. It jeopardizes the health and safety of everybody. They literally need to be removed from the street, and housing needs to be built for low-cost, low-cost housing, low-cost apartments. But we have no low-cost housing, no, no low-cost apartments because of the environmental regulations I just now mentioned. So the private sector needs to be unleashed to build these kinds of things. The religious sector needs to, needs to deal with these problems. People need to be picked up off the street, and we need to then put them in, in these housing that's affordable housing built by the private sector, not by the public sector. The other problem with just building housing, which is what Gavin Newsom and the Democrats want to do, is you haven't dealt with the underlying reason people are there in the first place. Mm-hmm. A, B, you can't get them to get up in, the, in, in, in those new houses anyway. They're not going to stay. Uh, and C, you're inviting other people uh, from cold weather climates to come to California where they're going to be treated uh, with care and compassion as we should treat every human being. We're going to get free needles and free food, and and I might even be able to get a free house. So officers tell me, Glenn, a whole bunch of people who are who are living in these tents, who are in skin row, aren't even from California. We've incentivized people from the other states to come here. So for all those reasons, Gavin Newsom is doing what nothing whatsoever. He's not involving the churches. One of my mentors is a guy named Pastor Jack Hibbs, and he said, Larry, let us do it. Let us adopt a block, adopt a street, adopt an area. Let us get these people off. Let us get these people the kind of instruction that they need while the private sector is building low-cost housing. And I believe that if I do the combination of things I just now mentioned, I can eliminate this problem. So, Larry, one of the things that I think we all learned from Donald Trump was the the system is so incredibly corrupt that there are career people that are just not, they don't care who the president right. is. Right. Uh, and they will work to thwart and destroy everything the people elect somebody and put them in. They'll work to destroy that person. Um, how are you going to deal with a with a Californian uh, system of of progressivism, socialism that is just bred now into the system? 
It's a massive, massive problem, Glenn, and I'm not deluding myself about that. We have supermajorities in the lower chamber of government called the Assembly, supermajorities of Democrats in the upper chamber called the Senate. Uh, and talk about a deep state, particularly we have, we have term limits. And I know a lot of Republicans like term limits. What it does is just strengthen the staffers and strengthen the special interest group. Yeah. The politician comes in, knows that he or she is gonna, only going to be there for a few years, and is given a lot more power to the so-called special interest. What I intend to do, uh, if I'm lucky enough, to become governor is to use a number of powers I have, even when dealing with the hostile legislature, not least of which is the ability to declare a statewide emergency. I'm going to declare one uh, regarding homelessness to suspend the, 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 the law that's called CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act, that essentially allows anybody to stop anything for an indefinite period of time. Somehow, someway, Glenn, uh, the legislature is able to waive a CEQA for example, the construction of the Seattle uh, Sacramento King Stadium for a billionaire. Wow. They waived it for that, uh, but they can't waive it to, to build low-cost housing to, so that these homeless people, to the extent that we can get some of them self-sufficient, can get off the ground and, and go to these homeless places. Also, in education, I'm a product of the public education system. I went to Crenshaw High School. That was a school that was featured in the movie Boys in the Hood. Two percent of kids at Crenshaw High School can do math at at, uh, at state levels of proficiency. That's not a typo. Two percent. Seventy-five percent of all black boys in California cannot read at state levels of proficiency, and those levels are low. Did so you, did you say how? What was that percentage? Seventy-five percent. Oh my gosh. Fifty percent of third graders, Glenn, cannot read at state levels of proficiency. Now check this out. We have three hundred thousand public school teachers in California. Every expert I tell I talk to tells me at minimum five percent of them are incompetent. That's fifteen thousand teachers. Any given year, you know how many are fired? Two point two are fired. Now imagine if we did the same thing with the LAPD. There are ten thousand officers. Imagine if we had five percent officers who were bad, who were corrupt, planning evidence, uh, using excessive force, engaging in racial profiling. We wouldn't put up with it. But we're putting up with fifteen thousand bad teachers. How about I clear, declare a statewide emergency uh, on on education, uh, and I get rid of minimum of the 5,000 teachers who are incompetent. Teacher, teachers get tenure in California after just two years, oh and it gosh. takes almost an act of God to get them fired. This is outrageous. 80% of the public school kids in California are black and brown. These are the ones that the left claims that they care about. Gavin Newsom shut down the schools. Again, the kids were already behind while his own kids were enjoying in-school private education. It is outrageous, and the teachers who know the schools the best, the ones with school-age kids, they're not putting their own kids in, in public school. Philadelphia, 44% of the teachers with school-age kids have their own kids in private school, as opposed to 10% nationwide, 6% of black families nationwide, 39% Chicago public school teachers, school-age kids, their own kids in private school. Here at the L.A. District, the public school teachers who have school-age kids are twice as likely to put their own kids in private school compared to families that don't have public school teachers. Holy cow. It's the equivalent, Glenn, of opening up a restaurant, putting up a sign and saying, come on in, just don't eat the food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nobody that works here eats here ever. All right, Larry, I'm going to push back on on one thing, um, and, and I... <laughs> I really do believe this is the only way you're going to be able to get things done, but it makes me very, very uncomfortable. You say I'm going to declare a statewide emergency mm-hmm. that suspends all kinds of, of laws. Now, I personally think a lot of those laws should be suspended. How do you how do you rectify that or how do you balance that in your head being a conservative that I know believes in constitutional law? 
Well, this man has invoked statewide emergencies to basically shut down the state for the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I think this is an emergency. I think this is an intervention. This is damage control. We have not built enough homes in order for young people to buy that first home. That's why they're leaving California for the first time in our, in our nation's history. Crime through the roof in L.A., in San Francisco. Can you give me some of those stats, Larry? About, about crime. crime. Well, let me give you let me give you one that'll be jaw dropping. Since the coronavirus pandemic has started, uh, Gavin Newsom has overseen the release of twenty thousand convicted felons, released because of the co- coronavirus under early release. Now, what could possibly go wrong when statistically the majority of, of criminals who are released from prison are going to reoffend? Just a couple of days ago, Barbara Boxer gets mugged for her cell phone in, in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And two days earlier, the Oakland police chief held a press conference where he complained about the defund the police movement and how many millions were being diverted from the from the Oakland Police Department. I'm in Los Angeles. The LAPD has lost $150 million from its funds for so-called youth programs. Now, connect the dots. Who has... who? Why do we need youth programs? Because these kids do not have fathers. Why don't they have fathers? Because the nouveau liberal named Lyndon Johnson launched the so-called War on Poverty in 1965. At that point, 25% of black, black kids entered the world without a father married to the mother. Today, that number is 70%. What we've done, uh, the left has done, is incentivize uh, women to marry the government and incentivize men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. And forget about elder. Barack Obama once said, a kid raised without a father is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. So what they do is they deal with the symptoms of the problem they cause. The symptom is a lot of young people are, are not working, are doing all sorts of bad things. So let's have a youth program for them. So systemically, what the left has done is destroy the family. They're destroying schools. Uh, they're calling calling the police uh, systemically racist. The police are pulling back. It's called the Ferguson effect or the George Floyd effect, and crime is going up. We have two left-wing DAs, one in San Francisco and one in L.A., both of whom got there because George Soros uh, funded them, and both are facing recall elections because they're not prosecuting people to the fullest. We have cashless bail in California. So what could possibly go wrong when you reduce the chance of a bad guy being caught, being convicted, uh, being put in prison? Crime goes up, and the people who are hurt are the very black and brown people living in the inner city that the left claims that they care about. So So I'm going to declare a public emergency on crime, on housing, on on education, and I'm going to suspend some of the rules regulations that are stopping bad teachers from being fired, that are stopping cops from doing their jobs, uh, and that are causing the cost of living to go so high because you cannot build anything. One developer told me this, Glenn. I had a 10,000 housing project. I got sued. I cut it down to 5,000. I got sued. I cut it down to 1,000. I got sued. Finally, they approved 250 houses after 22 years. Oh, my fed up. He got so fed up, he went to another, another city. Another guy told me, I was giving a speech about CEQA, and I was giving some examples, and somebody yelled out, I had to spend 25 grand to get rid of the kangaroo rat. I never heard of a kangaroo rat. And I talked to him after the speech, and he said he was building a factory, and as a condition of him building the factory, he had to pay $25,000 to hire an expert to find not just the kangaroo rat, but the Stevens kangaroo rat, which is a different species from the regular kangaroo rat. So I hired this guy. He spent all this time looking for the kangaroo rat, and the Stevens kangaroo rat didn't even exist. And had it existed, I would have to pay even more money to give them a new habitat. Now, as far as I know, rats are rodents. Who gives a rip? But all you did was jack up the cost of this factory, uh, causing people not to work or not to work on t- when they would have worked. And I have story after story after story about this. When I was in L- Ohio, I practiced law at a big law firm, 
And one of the things I did for a while was workers' compensation. Uh, and I, wait, wait, I, I want to. I don't want to cut you off in the middle of this story. So we're going to start back there in uh, just a second. More with Larry Elder uh, in just a couple of minutes. He is running for um, the, the to be governor of of California. If you would like to help him out and donate to his campaign, just go to his website, electelder.com, electelder.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. We were talking business in California with Larry Elder, and I had to interrupt him on a story that he said in Ohio. Can you begin that story again? Sure. I, I practice law at a big law firm in Ohio. I did a little bit of workers' compensation from the defense side, representing companies that have been sued by workers. Uh, and the burden of proof was, of course, on the claimant to make the claim. I get a phone call from somebody I'm trying to get money from who runs a bunch of different restaurants in California, and he tells me this story. Uh, and the only reason he prevailed is because he's very, very wealthy and wasn't going to put up with it. One of these workers uh, claimed that he was owed $65,000 in unpaid uh, wages. And he found out the guy wasn't even in the state when he allegedly incurred the $65,000 in wages. So he contested the lawsuit. Turns out the burden of proof is on the employer to disprove the claim. Oh my gosh. So, so many employers just settle. And after a while, they offered to settle for 50 He said no. 25 he said no. 5000 he said no. Went all the way to court, spent way more money than $65,000 that this employee was claiming, but it was the principle of the thing, A, and B, he felt that if he is perceived as somebody who can roll over like that, there'll be other uh, lawyers coming after him for other bogus kinds of claims. But the point is, the burden of proof is on the employer to disprove the claim? What the hell is that, Glenn? Uh, so tell me, talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, I know big business. A lot of them are moving out of California and they're coming to uh, Texas. And I right. swear to if these people, California, my Texas, I'm going to be really pissed. But um, the, you can't do business there. But there are so many small business owners that are just dying, just dying because of the covid restrictions. And, right. and it it is a hostile environment. There's well, what is the name of that uh, restaurant uh, that? Uh, Pineapple, yeah, Pineapple cronies. Hill. Uh, Pineapple Hill. Pineapple Hill. Uh, no, it's cronies restaurant. They are they're They are being boxed by their little community, their their little uh, city council um, and not and just being forced out of business because they didn't they didn't do everything that little city council said they had to do to to uh, stay safe well they couldn't and keep people employed and keep their right. restaurant right i mean what is what what is happening for the uh, small business owner, because that's the backbone of society. They're being slaughtered. And, and Glenn, I'm not just a lawyer. I also ran a small business for 14 years. At my peak, I had about a dozen employees, and it, and it didn't go bankrupt. I didn't liquidate it. Uh, when I relocated back to California from Ohio, I sold it, and it kept going on for a number of years. <clears throat> my point is, most small businesses fail, and those who succeed uh, operate on very thin margins, mm -hmm. often from payroll to payroll. So this guy shut down all businesses in California, we're still getting our hands around how many ended up in bankruptcy because the bankruptcy courts are just now reopening and are processing the claims. All I know is that the average state, two-thirds of jobs have been restored. Here in California, only 50% of jobs have been destroyed. How many lives were destroyed by this man who, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me, kept his own winery open uh, while telling other businesses to shut down. Wow. This is why one guy told me he's a tire guy. He buys tire, uh, tire uh, you know, big tire uh, factories, outlets. Yeah. 
he wanted to build another one out here, start another shop out here. And he said, I got sick and tired of all the regulations. He goes to Texas. Literally, he was able to open one within a matter of weeks. He'd been in litigation for months trying to open one here in California. Larry, Larry I, 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 it took me two years to build a radio studio in, uh, in New York City. I, I built the studios here in Texas in two weeks. I hear story after story after story like that. There's a magazine called CEO Magazine. It's been around 17 years. And based upon taxes, based upon regulations, based upon the power of the public sector unions, unfunded pension liabilities, the degree to which uh, the business climate is friendly or unfriendly, CEO Magazine, for 17 years of existence, has rated California the worst state in which to do business for 17 consecutive years. It is absolutely outrageous. And that is why, again, middle-class jobs, people making between 50 and 100,000 K are leaving California for the first time in our nation's history. Can I say one more thing about yeah, yeah. the uh, the school system? Yeah. The largest contributor to Gavin Newsom is the California Teachers Association. The largest affiliate is the L.A. affiliate called the United Teachers of Los Angeles. They, of course, shut down schools uh, while the teachers still continue to get paid. And as a condition for reopening, they made some demands. Two of the demands were single-payer health care, and defund the police. What those two things had to do with education is beyond me. This is the kind of crap that people are putting up with. And I gave an interview to a black newspaper in Sacramento called the Sacramento Observer. I walk in, Glenn, and I can just tell by their body language, okay, this guy's an Uncle Tom, he's a sellout, he's a Republican. And I said, aren't you sick? Aren't you sick and tired of a school system where 75% of black boys cannot read at state levels of proficiency? Aren't you sick of these rich white liberals like Rob Reiner, who some years ago stopped a housing development called Amundsen Ranch? It was in Ventura County, adjacent to L.A., 9,000 units. It was on pristine land, I'll give you that. But unless Rob Reiner lives on a houseboat, wherever he lives at one time was pristine too. So he stops the project. Ten years later, they, they celebrated high fives. I read the article about the, the celebration. Not one mention about the fact that 9,000 housing units didn't get built. Now, everything is a trade-off. And I said, don't you see the connection between these rich, elite white people who are Democrats and the fact that you can't get housing here? And one of the reporters told me before the interview started, he tried to buy a house, couldn't afford it. I said, connect the dots. And you sit there and you vote year after year after year for Democrats that don't give you choice in school, even though black and brown parents, based upon the polls, say they want it, that are causing the housing uh, cost of housing to go through the roof, even though you're trying to get that first house. And I'm the bad guy. I'm the Uncle Tom. I said, think it through. And now, Glenn, I'm not saying all of a sudden because of that they became Reagan Republicans. Right. But I know, I know that all of a sudden they were beginning to rethink some of their assumptions. And that's why I believe they're so afraid of me. I'm from the hood. I'm from Crenshaw High School. I can talk about the connection between what these liberal people that belong, say, to, to the ACLU. Uh, most inner-city people, from what I can tell, I haven't seen any polling data, want gang injunctions. And every time there's a gang injunction filed, the ACLU files a lawsuit to either trim it or get rid of it. Crime goes up, again, for the very people in the inner city that people like that claim that they care about. Tupac Shakur once said, we need the police more than anybody else because of all the criminal element that's right there. I said, who's on your side? Larry Elder, the Uncle Tom, or people in the ACLU who aren't concerned about crime at all because they're living up in the hills, they have private private security, uh, and, and they have guns. And I just ask you to rethink some of your assumptions. And I can just tell that for the first time they're hearing stuff they never heard before. That and is, unlike the typical Republican here in California, I can talk to black and brown people about what, what the left is doing to them in ways more effectively than I think the typical Republican can. I will tell you, Larry, I think it is going to take uh, a uh, black man or a black woman 
to turn us around because you are the only ones that can really break through uh, with any kind of credibility. And it takes somebody who is not a bomb thrower and can is eloquent enough to be able to get people to rethink their assumptions. Uh, Larry, I, I wish you the best um, and we'd love to have you on again. Could I could I ask you what are how does this work? I mean, you go in and you say, I want him recalled or I don't right. want him recalled. Right. And then it, if you say, I want him recalled, you, uh, you can vote then on who you want to replace? No, no it, it's real simple. There are two questions on the ballot, and that's it. Do you want Gavin Newsom replaced? Uh, and if 50% plus one says yes, the second question is, who do you want to replace him? Now, you won't know the 50% plus one until they, of course, count the ballots. But what you can either vote to replace him or not vote to replace him, and you can vote for somebody to replace him or not vote for somebody to replace him. So 50% plus one has to vote to recall him, and then whoever gets the greatest number of votes to replace him will win. So it's conceivable that I could win with 20, 25% or so of, of the vote altogether. Uh, and that's why this, this is so, so unusual. And it's on September the 14th, but the ballots go out. It's going to be almost all mail-in. The ballots go out on August oh, the 14th. So come September the 14th, when the election actually takes place, it's almost going to be anticlimactic because by then most people will have voted. And that's why I need money. Believe it or not, I have a campaign expenditure limit of $9 million. It's something I can raise that, that amount of money, and I will. He can raise and spend an unlimited amount of money, and most people speculate he'll spend at least $50 million trying to defeat me. Good heavens. How come you have the restraint that he doesn't? That's a very good question. Uh, I think that's uh, a, a legitimate question for, for us to lit- litigate in the courts. But that's exactly the way it is. I have restraints. He does not. Uh, and um, gives him a makes huge no advantage. sense. Makes no it, sense. It gives him a huge, huge. And when it was clear I was going to run, Glenn, all of a sudden, the SEIU union gave this guy $5 million. And again, the number one contributor to him is a teacher's union. Uh, and I'm not doing, I'm not dissing teachers. 40% of the teachers feel the way you and I feel. They want choice. They want uh, merit pay. They, you know, really good teachers ought to be paid way more than the bad teachers ought to be paid. And the person that hates bad teachers more than anybody else are good teachers. Uh, but the unions are the ones that give all this money mm-hmm. to left-wing causes and left-wing politicians just like, just like Gavin Newsom. So uh, the power of the, of the teachers' union needs to, be, needs to be broken. The power of the public sector unions needs to be broken. All are what Scott, Wa- Scott Walker did. Recall that? He had to face a recall election. Uh, yep. They gave him death threats. They trashed his house. They trashed the Capitol. Yep. But he got it done. He restricted the unions to only bar- bargaining over wages, not on benefits, not on, on discipline. He got them to no longer get automatic deduction for, for dues. And if you got a raise along above inflation, you had to go to the, go to the voters to get approved. And he made them contribute to their health and, and um, retirement plans for the first time. I need to do something very similar to what Scott Walker has done to break the power of the public sector unions in California. And believe me, they will come after me with both barrels. Oh, yeah. They are vicious. They are vicious. No, I, 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 I worry and will begin to pray for your security, uh, Larry, um, and, uh, and for a shield of protection over you. Um, you can go to elect elder elect elder.com uh the he newsom has a war chest already going into it of 30 million they they believe that it's uh a 30 million dollar war chest already already um and you know if larry is the guy they are going to do everything they can they're raising money just larry's raising money for them can we get larry to raise money for larry 
Uh, it would be nice to have Larry Elder as uh, governor, and you can help. Uh, everybody always says, what can I do to help? What can I can't do anything to help? How about five bucks, 10 bucks, right. 100 bucks, right. anything right. that you have. This He could win with 20%. Electelder.com. Electelder.com. Larry, thank you so much. I hope to talk to you again. God bless. Anytime, Glenn. You know where to find me. You got it. Thanks, man. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. So, Glenn, I'm looking for an update here from you on a big story that was breaking yesterday that... Oh, my gosh. You... I'm trying to get to the White House strategy on how we're all screwed. Yeah. And that's that's something we can get to after we hear the update on how you're feeling about your art show. You're such a jerk. <laughs> well, you said you were like... I was ready to vomit yesterday. Yes, it's got to be closer am, today. You're, you're a day I'm closer to it. A day closer, it. and I'm, I'm very vomitous. Very you, vomitous. You could vomit at any moment. I could moment. vomit at any moment, and I hope I could vomit on you. So what's your biggest fear here? Is it that people won't show up? Is it that, that people, people won't buy it? Is that people come in and they do show up, but they laugh at your hard work? What is the thing that most... Thank you. All of those. Thank you very much. It, could you Thank order you. them no, and describe how you... If you'd like to go to the art show, it's up at Park City at Park <laughs> City uh, Fine Art. You can find them at parkcityfineart.com and, uh, and get all the details. By the way, you can come up. Uh, and uh, and see the art, and there's also affordable art, really for for everybody. I believe. I believe. Uh, I think we're we're supposed to have to have we're supposed to have limited editions and and uh, some uh, copies uh, of the of the work uh, that we will be selling on Saturday. Uh, and you can call the uh, Park City Fine Art for more information if you want. Okay, can I get back to business now? Listen to this in the White House strategy. Remember, all of this stuff is already going on. The Department of Treasury, in coordination with law enforcement and other interagency partners, is, explore, is exploring ways to enhance the identification and analysis of financial activity associated with domestic terrorists. How do we de- define domestic terrorists? We can't. It's always okay. evolving. Oh, remember, right. it's always mm-hmm. evolving as well as enhancing engagement with financial institutions on domestic terror financing through existing provisions of the Bank Secrecy Act. So if you are deemed a danger or a domestic terrorist, they can cut you off. They're working with the banks to stop your financing. Okay. Mm-hmm. The White House doesn't say exactly how the government is going to use the Treasury Department to spy on Americans in its war on domestic terrorism. But we have some context clues earlier this month. As we talked to Tom Fitton yesterday and found out Judicial Watch filed a freedom of information lawsuit against the FBI to view records of communication between the FBI and several banks. Bank of America reportedly gave the FBI financial records of customers who made transactions in Washington, D.C. on January 5th and 6th. Normally, you need a subpoena to do that. Here's a guy. We we think he was involved. Can you get us the records to prove that he was there? Yada, yada. That wasn't this. Give us everybody who was at a cash machine or spent any money on the three days around January 6th. 
That's unheard of. Yeah. That's such a wide net. Exactly right. Exactly right. So they are not getting they're they're not getting any information, even though we have FOIA. But remember, the Capitol Police can't get a Freedom of Information Act request because they're from the legislative branch. So this is Nancy Pelosi's force. Judicial Watch uh, complied uh, when the FBI said, you know, we need more specifics. What exactly are you looking for? And then they said, ah, what you guys did about January 6th. They will neither confirm nor deny the existence of any such records. That's how your government is responding to a redress. I would like you to give us the answers. That's constitutional. You have a right to do that. Nope. Last month, Wells Fargo shut down the bank account of Lauren Witzke, who ran for U.S. Senate in 2020 as Delaware's Republican candidate. Um, now, you may disagree with her. I don't really know much about her. She seems a little loopy, but uh, you don't have to agree with people. And there's going to be a lot of people that say crazy things. Well, she was in Florida and they decided to shut down her bank account. Wells Fargo did. And they said they just did it for business reasons. What business reason? You just shut me out. I'm in Florida. I have no credit card. I have nothing. I can't get back home. My credit in my account says zero. What do you mean you shut me down? In June, as you know, somebody at the IRS leaked 15 years worth of uh, tax returns of, a thou- of thousands of Americans who are really wealthy to ProPublica. It's a nonprofit investigative news outlet. The IRS says it's investigating the leak. Okay, wait a minute. What? What? They just leaked all this. The press printed it. It's all secret stuff, never supposed to be exposed. And you're like, yeah, we're looking into it. And at the same time, in this bill that Biden is trying to get passed, the, the, new, uh, the new spending bill, there's $80 billion of a budget raise for the irs 80 billion dollars so you know the budget for 2021 is 11.9 billion this will increase their budget by one third what are they going to do with it they want more auditors who do you think they're going to be shaking down the irs is now going to be weaponized once again these are the things that they are doing You know that they are doing all of these things. Let me give you one of the other pillars. By the way, watch all of this, and you'll see all of the documents, all of the quotes. This is nothing that um, is a theory. This is the fact. This is what they're doing in their own words. If you don't believe me, go to WhiteHouse.gov and just look for White House's national strategy for countering domestic terrorism. How do we define domestic terrorism again? Uh, It's always evolving. Yeah, okay, that's right. That's right. Okay, so one of their pillars is to understand and share domestic uh, terrorism-related information. Uh, This one, they are working uh, with high-tech. Now, as soon as they released this, it's interesting, um, Facebook began doing something else. They began, if you were uh, on Facebook, you might have received one, a warning, extremist content. 
If you go on to certain Facebook or you, you know, just click on something, you might get extremist concept, uh, content. And then it asks, are you concerned someone you know is becoming an extremist? Uh, what, what, what big brother, what are you doing? Then another message from Facebook. You may have been exposed to harmful extremist content recently. Violent groups try to manipulate your anger and disappointment. You can take action now to protect yourself and others. To protect myself from what? Thought crime prosecution? I mean, desperate people do desperate things. Desperate people are used and, uh, and manipulated online. And a lot of them are manipulated online by people who are seeking power in the different parties or Facebook. And don't talk to me about manipulating people because that's what your algorithm does. Now, the Democratic National Committee planning to work with SMS carriers to dispel information about covid vaccines. Are they reading our messages? If you're an unvaccinated right winger to many on the left, you're a threat to national security that should be locked out of public places. Now, the U.S. Surgeon General didn't go that far, but how long is it going to be before the Surgeon General has a warning label on things that I believe or things that you believe? How do they define misinformation? See, can we play the Nancy Pelosi audio from yesterday? Listen to this on science. Uh, just to clarify something from earlier, um, is Kevin McCarthy a moron, and if so, why? Uh, I, I said earlier in my comment, science, 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 and science. On almost every subject that you can name, science is the answer. Whether it's the climate crisis, whether it's a health crisis, whether it's our preeminence in the world and technology, science, 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 science. Uh, to say... Uh, that uh, wearing a mask is not based on science, I think, is, is not Okay, stop. And that- stop. It's not based on science. It's based on somebody's opinion who happens to be a scientist today. Because you've changed it over and over and over again. If we're going to listen to science, do we have to listen to science? You know, I don't mind listening to science when they say butter is bad for you. And then 10 years later, they're like, you know, butter has some good things. Okay, this is like every other week. They're flip flopping. That's not science. That's an opinion. And that's misinformation. Me saying that will be deemed at some point, if not now, misinformation and dangerous. The National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. How do we define domestic terrorism? It's it's always evolving. It's always evolving. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Uh, This is from the White House. Their their next pillar is clear consequences for accounts that repeatedly violate platform policies. Okay. All right. Now, here's the thing. They want to prevent individuals from being drawn into the grip of domestic terrorism in the first place. So they're going to punish you if you are part of misinformation. But they also, if you've been exposed to misinformation, they want to make sure that they are there. Like clockwork, 
After the strategy was released, the FBI posted a curious tweet saying, Family members and peers are often best positioned to witness signs of mobilization to violence, help prevent homegrown violent extremism. Visit this link to learn how to spot suspicious behaviors and report them to the FBI. Oh, I don't know. That's a little George Orwell, especially when they're taking over our schools. Let me just quote from 1984. The children were systematically turned against their parents and taught to spy on them and report their deviations. The family had become, in effect, an extension of the thought police. It was a device by means of which everyone could be surrounded night and day by informers who knew him intimately. Let me give you this comparison here, a little nugget from the White House strategy. Even as we augment our approach to domestic terrorism under existing authorities, the Department of Justice is examining carefully what new authorities might be necessary and appropriate. New authorities? Well, we already have the Postal Service doing intelligence operations. We have the White House senior staff flagging people's Facebook posts. We have the FBI urging family members and peers to report on each other. Do you see the apparatus that they have built? It's not building. It's built. It's here. 